This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Donald Trump's only crime is being a threat to the swamp, the establishment, the status quo, and the Marxists on both sides of the aisle working to destroy this great nation. The show starts now. folks, indictment number two for Donald J. Trump. Last time in New York, a bookkeeping error in payments to a porn star, and this time a boxes hoax. He now faces 37 counts in a federal indictment related to his handling of classified documents from his tenure as president. The indictment alleges the documents were stored in a ballroom, bathroom, shower, bedroom, and office space at Mar-a-Lago. If only he would have stored those documents in his garage under the same roof as a known crackhead, or better yet, had the material stored on a private server in the bathroom before deleting and or bleach bidding and or smashing the hell out of said evidence with a hammer, then maybe he wouldn't be in this position. But we all know it has nothing to do with the drummed up offense and everything to do with the fact that he is a conservative, a patriot, and a Trump. He is the first former president to face federal charges, but if you think he's going to tuck tail and cower, well, you really don't know Donald J. Trump. They come after me because now we're leading in the polls again by a lot against Biden and against the Republicans by a lot. And we went up to a level that they figure the way they're going to stop us is by using what's called warfare. And that's what it is. This is warfare for the law. And we can't let it happen. And we will fight this out just like we've been fighting for seven years. It would be wonderful if we could f devote our full time to making America great again. And that's exactly what we did. But now, again, our country is in decline. We're a failing nation. And this is what they do. I'm an innocent man. We will prove that again. Seven years of proving it. And here we go again. This is just another witch hunt, another distraction, another gaslight. Trump, indicted the same week House oversight started to unravel the money and paper trail of the true criminal, Joe Biden. But he, like crooked Hillary before him, is brazen with his treason. When asked about the $5 million payout from a Ukrainian energy executive into shell companies and into the accounts of Joe, the big guy Biden, this is what Brandon had to say. Congresswoman Nancy May says there's damning evidence in the FBI file that you sold out the country. Do you have a response to congressional Republicans? Where's the money? I'm joking. Mr. Mr. President, Mr. President, it's a bunch of malarkey. A crook, a criminal, selling out the USA from right underneath us to enrich himself and his crime family, allegedly. But what are the chances he ever has to pay the piper? Folks, if you're wondering how Biden is going to get away with re-election from the basement, with refusing to debate, with refusing to campaign at all, well, you just got your answer. Another Trump indictment, another witch hunt. Joe sits back and his minions in the FBI, CIA, and DOJ do the dirty work. Trump is being cheated, but really it's we the people who are once again being cheated. This is an abomination, and it's so damn frustrating because the average person feels powerless to really do anything about it. But wake up, Americans. This goes unchecked, and it will be the end of America as we know it. And one last thing I'd like to say to Joe and the rest of the Democrats. 
Why are you so afraid to take on Trump in a fair fight? Why must you cheat, lie, and deceive your way to victory? Cowards, all of you. Still ahead, are undocumented farm workers tipping the election scales in Michigan? Our friend and former Michigan gubernatorial candidate Tudor Dixon is on the case. She's going to fill us in next. So last segment, I told you what you already know. Democrats, liberals, Marxists, whatever you want to call them, are becoming more and more brazen with their shenanigans. And this underreported story is further proof of just that. A Michigan illegal immigrant advocacy group is bragging about how its constituency of, yes, non-citizens, has helped flip the state house blue for Democrats. But here's the kicker. These illegals aren't actually voting, so what the Sam Hill is going on here? Here to fill in the blanks on this truly perplexing situation is host of the Tudor Dixon podcast, Tudor Dixon. It's great to have you, and thank you for bringing this story to our attention. Well, thanks for talking about it. Like you said, not many people are talking about it. And I think it's outrageous when you hear that you have an entire group of undocumented people that have been able to form this coalition, this this C4, to influence our elections. So I want to go into what's happening here, because at first when I saw this story, I thought, OK, well, illegals are voting some way, some form. But these illegals that we know of aren't actually voting themselves they're just forming advocacy groups to get out the vote so that American citizens, actual citizens, vote in favor of policies that would help advance rights and privileges for illegal immigrants. Is that correct? Yes. So specifically in Michigan, they believe that if they were able to flip this seat, that would lead them to driver's licenses for illegal aliens. And that is essentially what they're going to do, because that bill is up in the House right now. They're they're already planning this. So they have achieved what they wanted with this. But if you think about this, dig a little bit deeper. We in the state of Michigan, I think Republicans brought in under 30 million dollars across the state to run. In this one tiny northern Michigan district, they had $9 million for this organization that they call We the People. How interesting that they call it We the People. And it's not We the People. It is people from other countries who have come in here, and they are trying to have the rights that the We the People actually have. So they came in. They brought all of these groups of people, people together. They formed a great business that can pay people to do this, to go door knock, to make sure they target messages to people, to get the text messages out, to get the mailers out, all of the things that Republicans should be doing. The Democrats brought in $9 million to pay undocumented citizens to go out and do this themselves against us. And what's concerning to me about the whole driver's licenses for illegal aliens is exactly the California model that's been in place for many, many years now. And that is that illegal immigrants are able to get driver's licenses. But then in California, at least, when you go to the DMV to get a driver's license, you are automatically put on the voter rolls. And in California, unless you opt out, not opt in, opt out, you remain on that voter roll, and then, mm, lo and behold, there goes the mail-in mail ballots, and then it's incumbent upon these illegal aliens not to vote or face perjury or other charges. But when you start looking at the sticky situation, in California at least, this leads to a lot of questions that I have about election integrity, and I'm concerned that other states like Michigan are going to go down that same path. Is that what you see coming? 
Yeah, that I mean, it's the same in Michigan. Once you have your driver's license, you are registered to vote. You're automatically registered in the state of Michigan. So we talk a lot about people coming in and registering folks to vote. That's not what we need to do in the state of Michigan because people are. But when you talk about this idea of giving driver's licenses to illegals, then yes, they do. They can get an absentee ballot. And how do you stop that? And you think about you say, well, it's an incumbent upon them to say, I'm not going to vote. But these are people who have already broken the law to come in, and they've probably been convinced in some areas or another to break the law again. So once you've done that, you uh, it's easier to do it again. So why not vote? They're very in, these these groups are very influenced by the people, the Democrats that come in and say, you know, let's move, let's push it a little farther, let's do this. That's why we've said we've got to watch what's happening with absentee ballots, but get on top of it. Make sure that you know when the absentee ballots go out. Republicans can know this just like Democrats can. We have not been on top of, okay, these ballots went out. We should go door knock. We should target them with messaging. We should make sure we're getting those ballots back in. Find out where the ballots are. We have been losing at this game and the Democrats are hiring people from outside of the country to make sure it's getting done. It's also concerning because a lot of these individuals, they don't speak English. They're not necessarily knowledgeable about our elections, whether they yes. can vote or they can't vote. So I believe a large portion of these people are being exploited by Democrat and liberal operatives and maybe not given the full story, the full facts. I know that that happens in California and it's been very concerning. And now, of course, that model because of COVID has spread pretty much nationwide now, and I don't see chances of it ever being reversed. But I want to bring up another story out of an area in Michigan that we saw that was also very concerning regarding those absentee ballots being found, about 300 of them being found in a storage unit. Now, when you read the story, it says, okay, these people didn't get theirs, but a lot of them were damaged anyway. They would have gotten another one. But there's still a large portion of people who I believe were probably disenfranchised and didn't receive their absentee ballots, given the fact that they were found in a freaking storage unit. So tell me what the heck's going on here. Yeah, exactly. And this is why I say we need to be following these ballots when they go out. Why didn't these people get them? So there's about 300 ballots in there. The, as you said, about 80% of those were spoiled. And so that's an interesting thing because in the state of Michigan, you can you can actually vote. And then if you decide to change your mind, you can, what it's called is, it's called spoiling your ballot. So you can get a new ballot. So likely the people, the 80% that were spoiled, those people probably did get a new ballot because they were requesting, I want to change my vote in some way. Now, the other 20%, they simply never made it to their home. Why not? Who would they have been? Well, how would they have voted? Would that have affected local elections? I mean, obviously, this is not going to affect some of the statewides or the presidential, but we have a lot of people going, well, wait a minute, what happens in our local elections? And you and I both know that local elections are some of the most important elections because the local decisions make decisions for your kids. They make decisions for your housing, for what you pay. Those are important. So when people see all of a sudden 300 ballots end up in a storage unit somewhere, they go, wait a minute, what happened? Who let it happen? And what can we do to make sure it doesn't happen again? And where else in Michigan or in other states across the nation has this also happened and we're going to some at some point find more ballots in a storage unit somewhere? I think that that's the concern. Americans are concerned about the integrity of our elections. And that's not something that should be taboo to say. We have a right to, right. to ask questions. We have a right to be vigilant about this stuff. 
But I, I want to move on now to, of course, the big election coming up. And everything right now, we're back to another Trump indictment and how this is going to affect the primaries, how this is going to affect a general election. Is the man going to be locked up? I mean, what length will they go to to once again symbolically really cheat the American people out of a decision given they're going after this man again? What do you see coming in 2024 as it relates to our primaries with Trump against other Republicans? And then if he were to be our nominee, the general election, how is all of this mess going to impact all of it? I mean, it's interesting because we certainly do see people that are saying, wait a minute, I've got to stand by him. If this is happening, if they're willing to do this after we watched what happened with Hillary Clinton and I've had Democrats argue, oh, this is the president is different. And I would argue the same. Yeah, the president actually can look at classified documents and he had it in his house. Hillary Clinton had an open server where anybody could see national security secrets and the Chinese, the Russians, anybody. But don't tell me it's the same set of rules because she is not in trouble whatsoever. Joe Biden, all, everybody down the line, they can do whatever they want. What does it do in the election is interesting because you've seen a lot of people say, you know what, I'm going to back Trump. And I think that's because they're also seeing Gavin Newsom go after Ron DeSantis suddenly and say, I want to take legal action against him for kidnapping. So those folks who were saying, well, we can go with a choice that we believe is a safer choice that won't be attacked. They're starting to realize this is now the MO of the Democrat Party. No matter who you are, if you are not a Democrat, they are going to try to look for some legal reason to get you in trouble, to throw you in jail, essentially. And now Republicans are saying, well, you know, what do we do? Do we stick with Trump and just prove that you can't do this? Do we pick somebody different and see if they're going to do it to them, too? It is really leaving people in this place of feeling like they need to defend their country. And the way to do it is to get behind Donald Trump. I understand that, and that's why we see his poll numbers the way that they are. And I back Trump 100% when it comes to these witch hunts that have been levied against him for years now. But I'm also a little concerned because I think that the Democrats are really in a win-win situation here. Um, I think they want Trump to be our nominee, so they go after Trump. They solidify Republican support around Donald Trump so that they can take on Donald Trump, and then they get him in all of these legal quagmires so that it makes him easier to beat. So that is my concern here, is that they are baiting Republicans into thinking about their emotions and their loyalty first, making Trump the nominee easily, and then defeating him with someone like a Joe Biden, who is not really having to campaign at all, has already said he's not going to debate. So I'm very concerned. I understand we want to have Trump's back and we want to fight for him. But I'm just wondering if we are falling into the trap by just blindly supporting Trump because we're so angry. Are we going to get ourselves into a position where we simply cannot win and we just walk away and feel good about ourselves because we stood up for somebody? I really don't know, but I'm curious your take. Well, coming out of an election myself, I would say that we really have to change what we're doing in purple states, no matter who the nominee is. And that's something that I don't hear from people. I hear people saying, we want to go out and register voters. But again, in Michigan, you're not going to be registering voters. So what are you doing to get that voter contact in? And we know, Democrats know that they can get nine voter contacts out to people. And that's the average it takes for them to get their vote. And so, yes, they use these things with Donald Trump to get those voter contacts because generally they're trashing our candidate with those voter contacts. 
But we're not doing that. We are not texting. We're not putting ads out. We're not doing mailers. We're not door knocking. We are not getting that boots on the ground type effect. So when I hear people saying, oh, Gretchen Whitmer's in the basement or Joe Biden's in the basement, we haven't seen Kamala Harris, and they're ripping on the Democrats for that, I keep telling people it's genius. They don't have to. They are getting the only their message out to people. They never have and a video that would be played that the Republicans aren't picking up all the stuff that they can use against them because they are in hiding and they are targeting voters. So my concern is over and above any of this, can our nominee win in purple states if we don't get the money on the ground to do the work? They're paying their operatives. They're paying their people to go door to door. Our money is not going there on the Republican side, and it needs to be going there so we can win no matter who the nominee is. And we have to embrace these new election rules that the Democrats rewrote to their favor. Uh, we can't just sit back and pout and be angry about early voting or angry about ballot harvesting or whatever other cockamamie BS they come up with for COVID safety. We can't simply sit out because we don't like the rules of the game because then we automatically, by default, will lose the game. So I think that's going to be a big part of this. But I'm just very concerned that the Republican Party is looking at the nomination in the primary season completely differently than the general, and they're not looking at the long game. And I worry about that because we know that the Democrats, they think about these things years and years in advance. They're okay with having a solid, slow, steady ground game. And on this side, it really doesn't seem like we have that. It doesn't seem like we have premeditated strategy, and we need to have that. I'm, I'm really concerned that we're going to end up rallying together as Republicans, but just the Republican vote alone is not going to elect the next president. Well, it's true, because if you look at the Democrat side, they had a, a big field, but they whittled that down. And it wasn't Democrats that were voting, whittling that down. The establishment on the Democrat side said Joe Biden will be our nominee. And that's how they did that. They obviously then and they put their game out there to make sure people voted. And so what people on the Republican side are really not factoring in is the reason Trump was able to win in 2016 is that he has a group of voters that are not traditional Republicans. They're not traditional conservatives. They go both ways. They voted for Obama. They vote for Trump. And people keep underestimating the fact that he has this, this very large base. And so I do think that when you see the poll numbers, that base is reflected. The question is, what will happen in a general? I think we're all wondering that. I think that's why you're seeing some stars like Tim Scott, Senator Scott, come out and, and say things. And people are like, oh, wow, I really like that. He sounds presidential. He's not angry. But I think our candidates out there need to be focused on the positive. I can do this. I have done this. Ron DeSantis has ha had done great things. Tim Scott has foreign policy experience. All these guys, Vivek Ramaswamy has incredible business knowledge. All of these guys need to be less on the attack and more on telling us what they can do because the American people want to come together. It's the number one thing I hear when I talk to people. We just want us, to, our group to come together. I think the person who's able to do that will pick up more votes than we think. I do as well. I just hope that we don't let our emotions get the best of us because the Democrats, you know, they play identity politics. They play on the emotions of voters but they don't really do anything else via emotion. That's all a front. Everything that they do is actually very strategic. So that's what I'm concerned about. Uh, last Thank thing you. I wanna, yes. <laughs> the last thing I want to ask You're right. You about, I mean, no one says that, but you're right. Well, it is because they play upon emotion, right? They're very good at that. They utilize it. And that's kind of bringing me to my, my next topic with you is 
We're here in June. We're about the middle of Pride Month now, all right? I think for the first time, Republicans, uh, conservatives, Christians, whatever you want to call it, just people who want to be left alone, they finally are fed up. They're fed up with the forced rainbowing of everything. They're just really sick and tired of it constantly. The goalposts keep moving and moving where it used to be about equality, same-sex marriage, love is love. Now it feels like acceptance, celebration, acknowledgement, validation, or else. And it's become like an intimidation tactic from this far left rainbow mafia. But I wonder, because we know so much of the country is into that kind of thing, at least at some level, are Republicans, conservatives, are we shooting ourselves in the foot here by going after Target, going after Bud Light, finally standing up for our values and principles? Is this a winnable strategy for us or are we better to back off of it and leave the rainbows be? You know, I've had this conversation with folks when it's like, go after Chick-fil-A now, go after Kohl's now. I think that is a strategy that if you're just throwing anything at the wall, it's specifically, to my, in my opinion, it's specifically helpful when it's going after kids. And the concern with Bud Light is Dylan Mulvaney has a very childlike audience. He's doing things that are dressing up in tutus, talking about girlhood, not womanhood. People are concerned that this is going after our children. It was the same thing with Target when they had bathing suits for kids in the very front of the store and they had the trans flag everywhere, the tuck your junk section of the bathing suit, all of that. It was that moment when parents said, I don't, you know what? Pride was one thing, but this is different. You're going after kids who are innocent. They don't have, their brains are not fully developed to consequence. They don't know what is good and what is bad and what they should follow and what they're not ready to think about yet. They shouldn't be thinking about sex. I mean, we're talking about bathing suits for really little kids. You shouldn't be thinking about sex at that time. And people don't want to walk into the store with their kids. So I do think that there was, Certainly an acceptance of, okay, this is, you want to have Pride Month and you want to talk about the fact that gay marriage and, and, get, and marriage equality, that's accepted now. It goes different when it goes into kids. And so I, I think that that's every parent's right, every conservative's right to say, once you step past that threshold of, you know, LGBTQ, P, no way. We will not have the P, no way. Yeah, P for pedophile, you're right. I wish we could get our message a little bit more uh, clear on that, though, because I think yeah. that's where we constantly fail is that the left looks at us and they go, oh, well, just look, the, the bigots, the homophobes, the transphobes, the intolerant, uh, they don't get our message correctly, but we also don't get our message correctly because we have to make it laser focused and very simplified so that people can get it so that there's no gray area for people to insert what they want to insert. So I think we fight the culture wars, but we be very specific we be yes. very strategic when we're discussing these things and we have a unified message so that it comes across the right way. Because I think we can win with parents. We just have to do it the right way and we have to do it in a way that gets to the core of all Americans, not just our side that's already with us. I think that's where we fail. Um, coming up for the rest of this week, you know, we've got tomorrow the, the Trump indictment. Um, we've got an ongoing House oversight investigation into the Biden crime family. I mean, it seems like it's one thing after the other. So I'd just be curious what your message is to the American people that feel really helpless and hopeless and powerless right now. They feel like anything that they want to do or say, they don't really have the power to do it. They can't make a difference. What do you tell those people? 
read a history book. We have been here before and we have come back from this. This is not, there should no, be no reason for not having hope. This is how the country ebbs and flows, but we were built on conservative values. There are a lot of people out there that, that are saying, you know, we have progressed in different areas, but there are certain things that we want to keep safe. And that's always going to be our children and their future. So you're right. The culture war is challenging. We've got to get our message correct. It is actually a message of loving kids and loving all people. I've had same-sex couples that have come to me and said, this isn't our message either, and we don't want it to be ruined. So just don't fall into the trap that everything is falling apart and the country's not going to be what it is. We've been in places, tough spots before. We will prevail. Well, I always appreciate you, and thanks for keeping us up to date on everything going on in Michigan, a very important state for Republicans and Americans coming up in 2024. Tudor, great to talk to you. Thank you so much for having me. Coming up, Joe the traitor violates U.S. flag code flying a trans flag, yes, a trans flag, at the White House between two subservient American flags. I've got some final thoughts and a message to my fellow conservatives. That's next. Joe Biden uses the White House as a poster board for Pride Month and manages to denigrate the USA in the process. So sounds like a productive weekend for Joe. And I've got some final thoughts. We know the flag of the United States of America, the Star Spangled Banner, doesn't mean much to the Democrats these days. But Joe Biden, or whatever green-haired White House aide calling the shots this week, decided to drape a trans pride flag over the side of the White House in between two American flags. This was clearly done to once again pander to the radical LGBTQ and confused fraction of the American population that demands their sexual preferences be force-fed down everyone's throat. But it's also a violation of the U.S. flag code that requires the American flag to be in the center of any display featuring multiple national flags or pennants. So not only did Joe hold a pride event at the White House, not only did he and does he continually advocate for transgenital mutilation and medication of minors, not only did he proclaim that the LGBTQ people are the bravest and most inspiring people, but he denigrated the flag of the United States of America, the flag that drapes over the caskets of our fallen service members, the flag that represents us all, black, white, gay, straight, conservative, and liberal. And for what? To score points with the gay community? I know that community is not that dumb to fall for this manipulation. Like somehow our country, our economy, our national security going down the tubes is made up for by flying a damn rainbow over the south lawn of the White House. How pathetic, but also totally expected. We as a collective have to bend over backwards to celebrate and rubber stamp the LGBTQ community and the extreme lengths some in that community have gone to, including the grooming of children or else. That's what happened to my friend Anthony Bass late last week. Designated for assignment by the Toronto Blue Jays after posting a pro-Christian and anti-target reel to an Instagram story. You may recall he was forced to apologize a couple weeks back, but even that hostage statement wasn't enough to save him from the communists in the Blue Jays' front office. Unbelievable. We've let these people run roughshod for so many years that when this crap happens, it's just business as usual. How dare conservatives, Christians, straight white people have beliefs and opinions, right? Cutting him for his political and religious views? How is that not illegal? Name another religion or orientation or worldview that is as openly and brazenly spat on the way conservative Christians are, repeatedly and with no consequence. 
My hope is that a good American team with some values and some balls will pick him up and buck this messed up system, this mob mentality and this cancel culture that has propelled the vocal and whiny minority into the driver's seat. But here's my message to conservatives and Christians in case you haven't figured this one out yet. We will never win by cowering or apologizing or going along to get along. Never apologize for what you believe in. Never get the left, give the leftist Marxists an inch. Every time you apologize for who you are, they win and our situation gets a little worse. Never cede your ground again. And it might sting for a while, but you know what stings a hell of a lot more? Losing this country and everything it stands for. Those are my final thoughts. Be sure to check out our OutKick YouTube channel. Like and subscribe. From Nashville, God bless. Take care.